Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. It was. Holy I think we man. should do it I, a second time. And, and that poem you, you whipped out? What was that? Walter Whitman? Wow. It's it tough. Heart. It was. It was all so in the moment that I can't. I can't repeat uh, such beauty. You know, I felt that man. I, I really felt that. Uh, just, I'm getting a little worked up. I. Uh, I just wanted to thank you for that. That really. That really changed my life. Well, we're we're glad to have you here from uh, Dragon Slayer RPGs, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, Dragon Slayer RPGs. Yeah. And you are the Pesh. Or Peshki. Yeah, that's what that's what Alex on the Discord calls me. I prefer Peshki, but I'm not going to correct him. So, yeah. Rock on. Welcome to Side Quests. Thank you for joining us. All right. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy to be here, guys. Yeah, good. Um, now, we've gotten in the habit of just kind of jumping in lately, so I'd really like to follow the same formula. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, the time that you've spent in the tabletop gaming hobby, uh, a little bit about your projects you've got going on, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, so uh, as mentioned, uh, my name's Peshke. I, uh, I do game design, I guess. Um, Eli called me a game designer, so I guess that, that sticks. But um, I've been playing RPGs for close to two decades at this point, basically been GMing pretty much since since I started playing. Um, I just wanted to jump behind the screen as soon as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Um, my big project right now is a, is a game called Bonfire. Um, and uh, the, the pitch is it's, <laughs> I don't even, I've been thinking about this pitch for like two weeks at this point and I still got nothing. Uh, the best <laughs> I can, <laughs> the best I can think of is, is uh, I wanted to, I wanted to fall in uh, in love with RPGs again, and I wanted tools to tell different stories. Okay. Um, than than what you traditionally have. I wanted tools that actually um, helped GMs run games that were not just combat, that had climaxes that were closer to, you know, Studio Ghibli films or films that were about a clash of of hearts. You know the the only stories we're telling is the human heart in conflict with itself. Um, and so it's very, it's very inspired by those. It's very inspired by Studio Ghibli, Game of Thrones. Um, it's very inspired by um, games that I, it, that it's very inspired by the, the promise that I think RPGs gave us when we first started playing, but I don't think ever really delivered. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So with <clears throat> what you're kind of, uh, it sounds interesting, and I know I've been supposed to have uh, I've read more of the rules, but I had a huge work accident and mm-hmm. um, haven't had the I'll give you a pass. Yeah, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> uh, so could you tell us, how have you really been able to achieve the uh, desired effect then? I mean, if, you, if we're not focusing as much on combat, but more of the mm-hmm. stories of the heart, um, how did you develop those mechanics? How did you 
pull it all together? What kind of things did you uh, really build into it to give you what you were looking for? Yeah, so um, the first thing I did was kind of like build out some sort of social system. I know that's kind of a dirty word. People don't, um, especially in the OSR communities, which I, I tend to be uh, align myself a lot more. I don't consider myself OSR, but I, I do think that they're within the spirit of, of what I'm doing. Um, of the idea of, you know, when two people get into a, a clash of personalities, a clash of wills, how do you resolve that in, you know, your average game? We'll just say fifth edition because, you know, that's that's the monolith. That's what everybody has to be compared to. Um, um, yeah, I got no yeah. idea about fifth edition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but like it usually boils path, down. Pathfinder too. Uh, yeah. Pathfinder. That's that's it. Yeah. Um, the, what you do is you usually, if, if it if it is down to a dice roll at all, um, it is a persuasion or a deception check or a bluff check, 3.5, mm -hmm. like, um, and that's it. It doesn't really consider, or um, how to put this, it's like the GM can then add modifiers based on, hey, this is what I know about the NPC, this is what I know about the player, this will make it harder, and this, this will, um, this will make it easier. Um, and I, and I've heard people pitch it, um, pitch ideas of like, oh, well, this guy's stubborn. So if he's trying to resist persuasion, he gets bonus or he gets an advantage. Um, sure. but those tend to not be consistent even within the same GM, um, because it is based on a ruling at that very moment. And it really doesn't take into account how invested that NPC or player is in that particular outcome. Because even if you're the most stubborn person in the world, you're not going to fight over maybe, this is a weird metaphor, but like pulling the plug on your mom, as opposed to getting a discount at the cashier, uh, you know, a 5% discount on your, your groceries. Like those two are in completely different arenas and, com and, and deserve completely different, um, uh, like considerations, but really like mm -hmm. even at the best of times, they're treated the same. And so I wanted a way for, um, GMs to have rules that they could consistently get out. Um, you know, I have this NPC who cares about these things or has these beliefs and, players to do the same um, because once you have consistency in a system you can have players play around a uh, play around with that plan around it and utilize it in their plans um, that is that's one of the reasons why i think combat is used so heavily is because it's a consistent thing all of your powers are based around it you can plan around combat you can talk about hit points and, and attack i wanted the same mm -hmm. thing for confrontations we're going into this what do we know about this NPC? What do we know that he cares about? What do, what do we know about him as a person? And what about my character? Would my character even care about this? Um, and actually the best example of this is I was actually playing um, under my sort of co-developer. Uh, he uh, And I was playing an orc who's very traditionally orc. I just made him very orky. And he wanted to try to get a wanted to get something out of um, this hireling that he paid. He wanted to get it, essentially get him to do the dirty work. Um, because as a player, as a character, it would have been the most advantageous thing. Put him in danger in this unknown, you know, whatever. 
Um, but because I had a specific conviction, a specific belief attached to this character, the GM was able to call on that and basically say, would your character really do this? And I said, you know what, you're right. Um, and so that, that's, that is kind of the, like fundamentally it's about um, creating a system that the players can grapple with and the players can use. And when you create, um, when you do that, you're inviting players to create stories that are that don't simply escalate or climax in combat, but they can climax in simply a a confrontation, a battle of wills between two opposing sides. That was the core of what Bonfire is about. Bonfire is about empowering players when everything is on the line, giving them those tools to to do something cool. So I, me- mechanically, I like that you've you've added structure to situations that aren't just combat um, Correct, and you've yeah. added you've added structure to um I, what is it convictions beliefs mm-hmm. devotions um, yeah so that me- mechanically you can express yourself having a uh, an addiction or a flaw mm-hmm. or, a, or a strong character trait correct yeah and and then hooking those into combat and skill challenges as well that's kind of where we're working on right now but yeah if i was more succinct okay. that's what i would have said <laughs> no, that's that, that's great because I'm looking at uh, the base uh, rules reference right now, mm-hmm. uh, which, awesomely enough, is pay what you want on Drive Through RPG. Yep, um, it's also free online so, as an SR, uh, SRD. So, yep. Uh, so because it's free online as an SRD, and I download the PDF, I'm going to honestly tell you I paid zero dollars for it. No, no perfect. Um, that's that's about what it's <laughs> worth at this point. It is still in beta testing. <laughs> so. It's. I, what I'm reading is the can and cannot do is, uh, and I like that the way to initiate this confrontation is that you have to meet the two um, really criteria. Mm-hmm. The person can do what you want and they're on the fence about it. Mm-hmm. And that makes a whole lot of sense because if they're already willing, you don't have to initiate a conver- uh, confrontation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no convincing to go about it. Um, if they're incapable, but they'd like to, they still can't help you. Right. Uh, so I, I do. I like the fact that that mechanic is kind of built in because as a GM is looking at any kind of social structure, this gives them the essentially the framework right. for any time they need to do said roles. Um, yeah, I, I dig it. And, and the idea is specifically like you're not going to convince the king to give up his throne unless you're really clever about it. And I think right. that's that's also the point of the having those cans and cannot do. It's like I don't want to cut players off from having those really cool moments where they're like, we were able to convince the king to get off of his throne and give us the kingdom. But they're only able to do that by clever thinking of what does this king actually care about? What leverage do we actually have? Um, so you, you open up those moments, but you make them earned. And by making them earned, you make them meaningful. Um, mm-hmm. Both to you and the players in the story, right? Uh, right, and, and that makes sense. Taking a little bit of a step back, what what sort of dice system does Bonfire use? Um, I, I know we're talking about like mm-hmm. giving modifiers or letting people roll, but how do you do it? Yeah, it's it's just a straight d twenty system. So you have your standard six dice. Uh, I really like rolling dice. I like rolling different sides of dice. People have made very compelling arguments for dice systems, but at the end of the day, I mean, I do have reasons for it, and I could go into 
um, why I chose the D20 over anything else. But at the end of the day, I just like rolling a, a big ass dice. Like that's what I like. And when I roll damage, I like rolling a lot of da- uh, uh, a lot of dice of different sizes. I like the sound they make. I like picking them out. Yeah. Oh, you would love the system I'm working on, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I des- I have definitely heard about that stuff. You sent me the that's the Dragon Ball Z one, right? No, oh. no. I am working on a a new system, and I've actually I was initially starting to theme it around uh, medieval Arthurian legend, mm-hmm. so a little bit low fantasy. But I've recently changed the name of the entire rule set, and I'm going to treat it as a toolkit uh, that can be flavored as is. Nice um, desired. But yeah, it's your your desire of lots of dice is kind of where my, mm-hmm. my system fits. So I dig that. Yeah. Um, but reading through, because I, w- I want to make sure I kind of understand this. And mm-hmm. uh, Eli and I both agree, and I'm sure you do too. When you come across great things and mechanics or themes, etc., steal it, steal it, yeah. use it in your games, etc. Um, yeah. So looking at the make a check in this confrontation setting, is there a set DC or do you use a sliding scale of degrees of success? No, I, I don't like, um, I do not like DCs. Um, I find them very arbitrary and oftentimes, and more personally, this is this is why I really don't like them, is because a lot of times I'll set them, I'll start talking to the players, and then I will forget what I set. Um, and, uh, and so what Bonfire is about is doing an active defense. So the enemy will roll a D20 um, baseline and then they'll either add a flat modifier or uh, my preferred way of doing it is you add a dice, an additional dice, so a d6, a d8, a d10. Mm-hmm. And usually what I like to do is I set the difficulty, I take that dice, I set it aside, and then I do all my arbitration with the players. Um, and then I can just pick it up. So it's that's why I like the dice instead of a, a target number. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, with this, you are the NPCs typically will also have their own descriptions, convictions, devotions, and stuff like that. Usually if I if it's an important NPC, I'll fill about half ahead of time. If it's less than that, you know, one or two. Um, and then I'll, I have just a basic framework that gives me a blank NPC template that I'll fill out. It's actually based on um, Justin Alexander's uh, NPC quick reference. Um, okay. Who kind of inspired it. And, and so then they'll add those modifiers um, and so it creates a back and forth of what you're, what the, what the player is saying is based on their convictions, their devotions, what their character believes, and then how the NPC response is also based on that. So you learn about the NPC as they make checks, because otherwise they wouldn't be making checks at all. Um, but yeah, that's, that's fundamentally it. It's an active, what, active opposition. Okay. When you describe that situation, um, when you're when you're describing what you're adding to the NPC's role, do you mm-hmm. say what those convictions are? Like, would like when you're rolling for the king, are you like, well, he loves his power, so I'm adding this D8 into this check? No, no, no. Typically, I don't um, because you know I want things to stay in character as much as possible. Um, but what the what my response will be will be t- typically conf burned by the convictions. And then I've also added in another skill called intuition that will allow players to, you know, you know, because there's a lot that is not communicated or there's a lot in interpersonal communication that's not communicated between players and GMs. So a lot more information is passing between uh, the characters than it is between the player and the GMs because 
that's how communication works. There's a lot of nonverbal stuff. So I created the, the skill intuition that basically represents that players can basically use to say, okay, my guess is that he has this, comp, uh, this conviction. I can test it out by actually testing it out and using his conviction against him. Or I can roll intuition to just double check. Or I can roll intuition after a confrontation, that's what they're called. And then the GM can say, okay, these are the things you've noticed about his character. And being more open about like, okay, well, here's the here's some convictions that you noticed that he has. Um, and so like typ typically I won't communicate that stuff, um, but I also opened an avenue where players can get that information if they want. So, so part of the, the gameplay, just like you might prepare for combat, is also preparing for social situations and finding out someone's convictions and devotions? Correct, yeah. And you're rewarding players for getting to know NPCs. And that's, that's really, that's part of Bonfire's design is rewarding players for being engaged. A lot of games, it's one of my issues with um, advantage and disadvantage, is it only rewards your players so much for engaging, but you can't get double or triple. Um, where Bonfire, I have gone out of the way to make sure that if a player is engaged, if they're asking questions, they can find answers, and those answers will be useful to them in a me mechanically expressed way, which means they're consistent. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> nice. So, uh, as you said, this is still in kind of a, a beta test, but it's free for anybody to check out and mm -hmm. kind of look at. Um, is there a way for them to submit feedback or criticisms or ideas yes uh we have a very active discord uh very active uh, criticizing peshki community um there is a discord link on the site there's also a discord link within the pdf um and you can go in and give me feedback on stuff unclear rules ask for how things are we're kind of at that stage where um we're mostly tweaking numbers at this point and clarifying what rules mean um, but yeah, it's a very active community. I'm very, I'm very blessed to have the people uh, in my Discord that I do because they uh, they seem to really like the game, and that's very that justifies it a lot to me. That what I'm working on is you know good. Yeah, yeah, of course. So does that also mean that Bonfire is kind of your default go-to game, or are you still playing other systems? Um, yeah, it's kind of my default game because it's all I have time for really between you know my wife and work and stuff like that. In fact. Mm -hmm. I don't really have time for bonfire. I just make time anyway. Um, we got to make time to do what we got to do. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also very active in the Hackmaster Discord. That's where Eli and I met. Um, Discord, uh, Hackmaster was uh, the game I started. The fourth edition was the game I started on playing role-playing games. And then um, I've just been active in the community because I have a deep, deep and abiding love for it. Um, I don't get to play it as much. I don't get to run it. In my opinion, Bonfire is better in almost every way because a lot of it is, a lot of it is, uh, I can't say taken from the Hackmaster because I think that opens me up for, to copyright, but it's it's certainly heavily inspired by sure. a lot of the stuff that Hackmaster brings to the table. Sure. Um, but yeah, so as much as, as much as I would love to, I don't have as much time. I In fact, I had to quit the fifth edition campaign I was in just recently, so and for lack of time. As someone who really likes Hackmaster, I very much enjoy bonfire as well mm -hmm. yeah it's, it's like it's like hackmaster plus so sounds like shots fired to eli's favorite game no i i really like bonfire i've played <laughs> a few games of it myself yeah, ransom games 
I uh, I haven't had an opportunity to play, but I will tell you prior to Eli telling me about it and it being your your game, I had come across it one mm-hmm. other time. because yeah. I sent it to him earlier. I swear. Yeah, that's nope, true. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> I was going through my uh, my tabs mm-hmm. in my drive through RPG wish list and things that I liked, mm-hmm. and it had been flagged already. So, oh really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like anything that's pay what you want is something I flag for later. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to learn about this now. Yeah. So uh, that's great. I really dig it. Um, and the Hackmaster thing, I just recently went to Tennessee and in a secondhand mm. store, dude, found uh, like four or five fourth edition Hackmaster books. Oh, fourth edition. And I love it to death. It is a monster. But yeah, I. I've- yeah, I grabbed uh, off of Amazon. I ordered the player's handbook, uh, the DM guide, and I think a DM or a player guide for fifth edition as well. You so. found some of the gems too. You found a number of the uh, the hacklopedias. Yes, those I think are just hilarious. They're full of absolutely. Some of them are awesome, and some of them are just hilarious, like a pudding <laughs> a pudding golem. Yeah, the yep. gummy worm, the gummy worm creatures. I loved it, and they the fact that they put the I. Fourth edition is one of those things where somebody was talking about it being a parody, and I was like, it is the most sincere shitpost of an RPG, and I will love it until they put me in my grave. Like it's Nice. Yeah. Nice. I've, I've looked through the books, and I'm like, shit, I don't understand any of this right now. <laughs> oh, no, it is it is a dense system. It is an incredibly dense system. I, I okay don't. I, yeah, I can't even imagine picking up fourth edition if I didn't have my brother to induct me. Um, because I, well, I, I think even by crunchy systems, it's considered a crunchy system. Thankfully, Eli said had, that. Like all the, they, because they, it was a parody. They would often like release extra things that would errata previous things. Yeah. So if you have, like, if you have the whole collection, it can be difficult. But I think if you're, I think if you approach it, approach it carefully, you can, uh, you can definitely dive into the crunch. But I also right. love crunch. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm finding I'm I'm the same. I love mm-hmm. a lot of extra rules I may never use, but they're there in case I want them. And mm-hmm. I love all the extra numbers and modifiers, etc. Which I, is I, uh, I'm a big first edition Pathfinder fan. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is same a way. crunchy game. That is a crunchy, yeah. crunchy game. Yeah. No, I I love it because it like it's one of those things where. Um, I think the more that you learn about a system, the crunchier it is, the more you're rewarded for it. Mm -hmm. I I see a lot of games that come out that are fairly fly by night um, where people get really excited about them. But because there's no mechanical depth, there's no reason to stick around. Like it's like dating the super hot girl. And then you you go out on a couple dates and you're like, wow, there's nothing going on underneath here. So (laughs) the lights are on. The hood is on. Yeah. And the nerdy girl at the library takes off her glasses like you're in a like in a 90s movie. And you're like, oh, she was pretty all along. Right. Right. Yeah, I I, uh, I I dig it. The crunch is there. It's real. And I think that in in more words, it sounds like you're mentioning the fact that as you learn all the crunch, that rewarding uh, feeling at the end is literally learning how to play and game the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people don't like that. They don't like the optimization. They don't like the, like they don't like the min maxing. Um, but as Eli and I have talked about challenge ratings something hit me in that every game in combat scenarios the monsters are optimized Mm -hmm. like they're they're not 
poorly written or poorly designed to have like weird character flaws that don't make sense. They're optimized to hell and it would make sense for all the players to be as well. Um, yeah, you don't I, you don't get that without crunch. Yeah, well, and and I, th I actually think that this is something that the fourth edition Hackmaster did really well. I, I think one of the issues that you come with with gaming the system and with optimization is is you can oftentimes make other characters at the and players and by extension players at the table irrelevant. And mm -hmm. then you create all these knock on effects for the GM who then has to sit there with an open book and like go through your spells and figure out, okay, if he casts this spell, what do I have to do to counter this? So this, so this actually works. This is actually a challenge. I think with fourth edition Hackmaster and games that are correctly op like crunchy, you can optimize all you want, but there will still be an Achilles heel that brings you down. Yeah. Um, I love that about fourth edition. You you had you had people who could optimize to hell and back, and they they could still be brought down, and that made that made um, the GM's job easier, but also allowed other characters to shine. So I think when people complain about optimization, that's that's the heart of their issue. So I think fourth was like embraced the idea of at least like in combat, the adversarial nature between like a GM and their players in yes. kind of a, in a healthy way. And mm -hmm. by like, by embracing it and kind of giving both sides equal punching weight, it doesn't feel unfair. Like, but right. you also have to know that mentality going in, um, right. that it, it is that head to head clash. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, well, I've talked about my deep love for the trope of like, the two enemies who respect each other, um, even though they're enemies and they, you know, they stare across that. That's, that's what I feel like is the perfect GM um, player relationship is enemies that respect the hell out of each other. Um, and they, they will bring the best out of each other through advent, like struggle and adversity. That, that's, that's my goal. So. I think that's fair. That, that's yeah. a good goal, especially as you're uh, behind the screen. Yeah. So. I dig it. I dig that. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate hearing everything about Bonfire. It sounds like the kind of system that appeals to my nature quite a bit. So I'll see what I can do to get it on the shelf and maybe get some people to play. Well, we are working on the surfer right now. It's helping me build a new introductory adventure. Um, I also have an online open table that I do for people. Um, I'm also running two open tables at my local game store. So if you're in the Salt Lake Valley, you can you can hit us up. Um, but yeah, I'm just trying to get people to play it. People tend to fall in love with it. So yeah, that's good. How often do the same people come back to your your open table games or is it a variety every week? It's so it's interesting. So I I start up the open table with, uh, you know, about a month ago um, in person. And then I've also done the open table online since uh, pretty near starting the game. Um, and I have found that for the for very for Bonfire is not made for everybody. Um, it, it, it's just simply not. It does not have mass appeal. In fact, I would can I would consider it, you know, Dwarf Fortress at this point. Um, what I have seen is the people who who play it. Um, there are certain people who that's what they've been looking for the, their entire life. Um, it's like, you know, with Ryzen from the Discord, Eli, um, who he showed up once, he played it, 
and now he cannot get enough of it. He has been bothering me basically the last two weeks for downtime activities to play more. And he wanted to – he's actually the reason why I started up a second open table is he just wanted to play every week. But he couldn't, so it's like um, – so Bonfire is not for everybody. So there are some people who bounce off of it. But I found that there is a, 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 a small percentage that um, – you know, it's what they've been looking for this entire time. And they, they tend to not want to put it down. So that's good. That's very good. All right. So uh, one question I'd love to ask absolutely everybody. I'm muted. Is, is there a game that you have not had the opportunity to really sit down and play, but you have wanted to, or a theme? Because is Bonfire is a, is a fantasy uh, RPG. Yeah. So, do you have other genres of games that you? So I used to. Yeah, so I used to run Aces and Eights in high school. Uh, I know you brought it up, but I I also been rewatching Firefly and Aces and Eights. Mm -hmm. Fits perfectly with that. I have been wanting to play Aces and Eights really bad lately. Um, I just love the Western genre. I love that game specifically. yeah, so so for me, it's an easy easy Western, easy aces and eights. So, nice. Eli, has yours changed yet? What did I say last time? I don't remember. Oh, um, oh, it, it probably changes every time someone asks me. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Mine does not. It's still Space Marines. Damn it! Nobody wants yeah. to run a freaking Space Marine game for me. Oh, oh, games to play in? Oh, I think that that's different than games that I want to run. Um, at either. I would run it. E- I'd run a Space Marine either game or. at this point. God, I'd you- probably play in any games, though. I'm just down <laughs> to play games. <laughs> Someone put, run a game for me. Right. I mean, I, I, I joined a fifth edition campaign just to remember what it's like to be a player. So I, I mm-hmm. totally relate. So, um, hey, Rob, have you have you checked out Death Watch? I, I've seen a little bit of it, but I okay. haven't dived into it. Okay. I, I used to uh, run Dark Heresy. No, I used to play Dark Heresy in high school. And Death Watch okay. is the Space Marines version of it. So you play as Space Marines. So it might nice. be worth checking out. Yeah, it's it's kind of on the thing to uh, to eventually pick up. Like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, got a, I got a list, and I, it's not really in an order of how I buy things. Yeah. But I have moved all of my first edition Pathfinder third-party publishing content to the top. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, filtered in some of the other things like I just recently picked up um, Legends of the Five Rings not the 5e version but the 5th edition of the game system itself uh, as well as the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade so yeah L5R completely different systems L5R is really um, really fun I played it at a free RPG game um, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of those ones where I played and I was like you can't it, it is so setting and genre specific that like I yes. think that I think doing a fifth edition version of it was kind of a tragic uh, travesty um, mm-hmm. because of the way that they did stats, um, just that subtle way, the difference between, you know, strength decks or whatever, uh, a reflection of, you know, physical or objective parts of your character's ability to fire, water, air as reflection of your character's personality, I think is just... I think is really cool and something that um, people should experience because it's just a, a totally different way of looking at stats, but brings so much to the game. 
Wait, right. can you? I, I've never looked at uh, Legend of the Five Rings. What's the so, what's the stats? Yeah, so Le- so Legend of the Five Rings instead of having strength decks, it instead has fire, air, water, earth, and metal, which are based on the you know elementals. But they don't re- and they re- reflect qualities. They do not reflect. So earth does not represent your physical strength or your physical vitality. It represents earth, which is how steady of a personality you are, how um, how grounded you are. And fire doesn't represent, you know, dexterity. It represents how intuitive or how uh, innovative you are. And so when you make a check, you're not actually, you, okay, how to put this? It's like in D&D, when a fighter makes an attack, they're going to use their dexterity or they're going to use their strength. Um, when, when, a, when a samurai in f- Legend of the Five Rings makes an attack, they could use any one of their five stats based on their approach. If they're being reckless, they use fire. If they're being defensive, they use earth. If they're in a duel, they use void. How much can they empty themselves? And so your stats end up reflecting your personality more than they represent objective physical qualities about you. Um, and that leads to a fundamental different different way of interacting with the world because you're not um, you're not saying I'm going to lift these bars so I'm going to use strength. You're you're asking okay, well I'm going to lift these bars using a fulcrum or I'm going to put my whole soul into it, and that will change the stat. So so every action even even something as fundamentally physical as lift bars could use any of the stats. So it leads to a very different approach in how you role play your samurai. Um, I think that's it's brilliant. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's a setting that I absolutely love, and I love the flavor of it. Like I'm a huge uh, feudal Japan and samurai mm-hmm. nerd, <clears throat> so uh, I, I really fell in love with it when it was really kind of a companion to the Oriel- Oriental Adventures mm-hmm. in uh, three five. So, uh, since then I've kind of always followed along with it, and this is the mm-hmm. first time I've actually picked up the books. Um, so, super yeah. excited to get into that. I, uh, I just picked up the RuneQuest books because I, I love the world building, I'm a huge world building mm-hmm. nerd. So the only the only five, four role-playing games that I have is Legend of the Five Rings, the fourth edition of Warhammer, that fantasy flight that uses the Genesis system. Um, okay. RuneQuest and Call of Cthulhu, which I just bought the starter set. Because I was thinking maybe nice. maybe a little bit of change. I needed something other than fantasy every now and then. So, but never end up running. So I don't don't know why I spent that money. But yeah, you know I feel the same way sometimes. If you lure to see my bookshelf, I mean I got my Pathfinder, some of my three five D and D, Base End, Twilight, GI Joe, Power Rangers, Marvel superheroes, <laughs> mutants and masterminds, Mark Borg, Base <laughs> End. <laughs> I, so He's many. got five games, and you have a thousand. <laughs> not similar in any regard. Yeah, dude. Actually, one of my favorite games was last year's uh, any uh, any award winner game of the year. It's Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Oh yeah, powered uh, by the apocalypse. I definitely have opinions about that. <laughs> the uh, the system is not my absolute favorite, but I love the game itself, and mm-hmm. um, I, I love the fact that thematically they took all of the elements and they pushed it in an over-the-top direction that just seems to fit and work mm-hmm. almost as if it is a satire of itself but yet mm-hmm. still takes itself seriously in all the right ways yeah it's a sin- um, sincere shit post yeah yeah that's I, what I, I, I love it yeah <laughs> so. I, I think it 
does all, I think it really helps an RPG to know your genre and mm-hmm. know know what your niche is and and dive into it. Right. Um, I, I think it won't. I can't. I don't think it can hurt you in any regard. I think generic systems end up doing worse. Are you are you throwing See, shade at Rob's generic system? Is that what you're doing, Eli? <laughs> Uh, indirectly. Yeah, generic yes. systems are just the worst. Anybody who designs them just terrible, awful, man. Well, it's again, it's the generic system is just the toolkit. Uh, uh-huh. Once you flavor it, you uh, that is really where the life comes into it. Mm-hmm. And I had told Eli quite a bit about the cipher system, which I absolutely enjoy the idea of the system, but without the flavor, I'm missing context, so it's hard for me to grasp the rules. Right. So you Yet, yourself dislike generic systems and you're building one he's allowed yes, to be I a told you that, <laughs> <laughs> hey it works just because i'm not a fan of it doesn't mean it doesn't work mm-hmm. so i'm going for it i'm going all in so it's it's incredible and i've got to say for the first time uh, designer here uh, i've got no idea what i'm doing and i'm just kind of throwing noodles at the wall to see what sticks Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm developing a system that I would want to play. And if I want to play it, I'm sure there's at least three other people. Right. But I'd like it to be appealing enough to get a, a larger market share than three people. Yeah. Um, I, it's I think interesting. That's, yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting because, like, there's a balance between. I mean, I was just watching a video on Dwarf Fortress just like before getting on here. And it's that the difference between like um, the mass market appeal. And something that is so idiosyncratic to the designer itself that that appeals to nobody makes no sense. You're talking about like your fatals, um, your fantasy and adults, whatever that they they renamed it to, like um, where it's so specific to that designer that it's basically incomprehensible to other people. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side, you have games like Pathfinder or Fifth Edition where they're so... um, I'll just say it. They're bland, like uh, that. They they have a mass market appeal that they lose, you know, some level of artistic quality. The, what what is interesting about them, the GM has to su- uh, supply. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I don't have an answer to that. I I also struggle with that because I would like people. I I would like to get to a point with modifier where um, the it pays for its own art because art is sure. very expensive. Um, so mm-hmm. I have to make it appealing on some level. Um, but at the same time, it's my baby, uh, and I, I want it with all its weird little quirks and stuff like that. So I, I don't have any good answers for you, but yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's trial something. and error. Yeah, it is. It is trial and error. Sometimes you just, you just make mistakes. So I, I yeah. do think quirks are important in a game, like having your designer's philosophy be on a game, I think is just as important as people enjoying it. You should you should have players enjoy your game that you want them to enjoy. Yeah, well, it yeah. gives it texture. I mean, Fourth Edition Hackmaster is an incredibly quirky game, and uh, you end up learning to love it and kind of missing those things when you you design some, something super sleek. I mean, people call it soul or whatever, um, mm-hmm. but honestly, I think it's just you're showing that there was a human who made this and not a a um, a dev team. So yeah. Yeah, and I think you can really see that in a lot of 
I want to say mainstream style products or mm -hmm. largely popular products. They miss that mark on the soul, the essence, yeah. the uh, originality. They just seem to rinse, wash, repeat. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost so. like AI designed by humans. So how about that AI design? Anybody got opinions on that? I, uh, no, I'm just kidding. We can cut that. We can, we can cut that. It. That was just me. That was just me poking fun at Actually, the AI. <laughs> oh, it, so we've, we've had the AI, AI art conversation, but because we're leading up to this, uh, they got like chat GPT and mm -hmm. the AI um, text programs. And I've, I've played around with it, but I found mm -hmm. it is really incredible when it comes to seeking out certain bits of information. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't use it to write adventures or modules, but I have asked it to write a little bit of uh, like memoir kind of things for player mm -hmm. information in my games. I have primarily used it for um, statistical opinionated information that it can find on mechanics I want to put in my system. Interesting. Like what? I yeah. asked it very specifically. I said, um, what is the general opinion on contested roles? And it says that while contested roles are less popular than some of the more common difficulty class checks that are made with a static number, there is a decent amount of people who still enjoy them, but it will always come down to the players and the party of the other group of people that you're playing with. Which, yes, I know that, but I didn't realize that there was enough people to say that it was an enjoyable system. Um, I can't necessarily trust AI, but it gives me a start to say, yeah, I can continue looking into this a little farther. Are you using ChatGPT as a magic eight ball for systems you add to your RPG? Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Uh, and it, it's actually, I'm, I'm thinking about including something, uh, a very quirky style mechanic that represents a little bit of AI uh, in the system. And... Outside of our recording, I'll, I'll tell you the, the name idea I've got for it because um, I'm super excited about it. But it's one of those things. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah. And here I am just yeah. like sitting there considering what effect a mechanic will do. And I should have just outsourced to AI. <laughs> I mean, one of my side projects is like a game based on uh, The Witcher. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's that, is that concept. Odyssey? No, no, no. That's my that's my sci-fi game. Um, no, this is called Hexer. I actually haven't talked about it at all in the Discord because it's really like this is this is just something. That, yeah, this is the insight. It's leaked this is like, now. I know this is something that I have never talked to um, anyone on the Discord. I I've taught, I don't think I've even talked to Jeremy, my code dev. I've only brought it up once. But like the the concept with uh, you know playing Fifth Edition, you have a concept of you're really a heroic person. Um, you know, the right from level one, you're theoretically better than, you know, the average person. And yep. having played fifth edition, I can say that the rules don't reinforce that at all. Um, the mechanics don't reinforce that at all. Um, and so I thought to myself, like, well, what if I um, what would a game about actually competent master monster hunters look like, like a Geralt of Rivia? Um, and so in, when you make. But the, so the core fundamental thing is when you make a check, you don't make a check to succeed or fail. You only make a check to determine how long it's going to take you to succeed. Um, and the more skill you are, the quicker you do it. And so if you're going to do anything, you're going to succeed on it, but it's the question of time. And so I've made 
time a major component of this where it's like the monster will continue to act and you'll get paid less money. Um, that's your kind of win, win or lose condition and people will get more pissed off at you if you take too long. So you have to balance um, balance time and stuff like that. Right now it's mainly framework and just a splattering of ideas. But what I should have done is just gone to G, a chat GBT and had them had him tell me how to how to make it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, so that that's my super been. secret project. Yeah. Awesomely flawless and a still super secret. By the way, our nine listeners are gonna love that. Well, I plan on sharing this with with a lot of communities I'm a part of because you know, yeah, I, I like. I'm sure they like to hear from me. I assume. I assume that's what yeah, they like I, to do. I, I assume they're just waiting on bated breath for me to talk. So, we appreciate. It. We were. We yeah. were always depressed when we had to reschedule. I, know. I mean, it's just Rob, you got injured so that you could, you know, delay the the interview. I was, I was sad. Yeah. I was, I cried all all yesterday. Uh-huh. I, I cried for a different reason. It really uh-huh. hurt. Yeah. <laughs> so we've we've talked about the fact that I was injured at work. Um, so people are going to be semi curious. Uh, yeah. It was a it was a small thin piece of metal stock, uh, twenty five thousand thick, that got caught on a spinning. Uh, carbide spindle burr and when it broke it launched that thin piece of metal across the department and it hit my arm first causing a nine centimeter laceration into my uh, the upper part of my lower forearm right under the elbow freedom units (laughs) no idea (laughs) it's actually about four inches so about four inches long uh, super deep it didn't seem to hit any tendons but i lost the uh ability to open and splay my fingers on my left hand yeah and the doctor says likely, you'll never you'll never walk again can pretty you roll much dice with that hand yeah uh truthfully if i use my right hand to open my left hand <laughs> <laughs> it'd shake really hard they'll probably fall out <laughs> but i'll be restricted to a dice cup do you have any uh is this going to inspire a trap uh, you know what? It may make me rethink the idea of causing a loss of limb for my players. Mm. Like this sucks. I don't think you guys should deal with this. Honestly, so. honestly, I love those sort of status adjustments. I throw them on all the time. It's like, yeah, you 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 do this thing. You strain yourself. You don't just take damage. You also can't really properly attack. Mm. I love that sort of stuff. That is uh, something else in the system I'm working on. I'm also a big fan of that as well. You're so titillating, uh, Rob. <laughs> Again, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to spill all the beans uh, in the podcast yet because I'm still working on all the general rules. But after Fine. we you, you, after you we close up the episode, I'll fill you guys in a little bit. Right. Fill you guys in a little bit. But we're it's hitting the 45 the minute too. mark. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, does anybody have any awesome words uh, to close out our episode? Buy a parka Wonderful. from Peru. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, it's super comfy. If you can, if you can get a poncho or a parka, I would say get one. Yep. And I, after uh, work injuries, actually, Eli, it does does remind me of a uh, when I was in high school drama. Somebody had a poncho that they had, and I remember we were getting changed on the last day, and he uh, he throws on a parka, and then out of nowhere he puts on a cowboy hat. He's completely naked besides that. He turns around and goes, well, boys, I'm out. And he just walks out of the green room. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that, that's the story I'm going to end on. <laughs> Love it. Fair enough. Everybody stay safe and have a great week. <laughs>
Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.